0: wonder if we could get a percentage on Christian lights in the world. What percentage of the, of the load would it be if we could monitor how bright our lights were shining? You'll see a lot of lights this season. Some will say it's the most wonderful time of the year, and yet others say, no, it's not the most wonderful time of the year. You don't know what I'm going through. In fact, Pastor Andy Stanley talked about how in his family... For years, they had had such incredible memories at this time of year. And then when his parents divorced, he said for the last 24 years, Christmas has been chaotic. This time has just been very chaotic. We don't know who to spend time with. And and it just disrupted everything. Why? And he, he listed some problems that a lot of people face at this time. We're faced with problems we can't solve. We're faced with people we can't control. And we're faced with expectations that we can't meet. You feel overwhelmed. Feel frustrated. As I read the headlines this week, I was amazed at how many of the large cities in the state of Louisiana were just hit with crime. We're hit with tragedy. Last Sunday morning, as I spoke, we, we talked about it. Eleven people shot on Canal Street. Baton Rouge is is the fifth most dangerous city in the nation because of theft and violent crime and traffic. There was a Lake Charles shooting this week. There was statistics on Shreveport being the 71% higher than other crimes. In the And in just... It seemed like there was a whole cloud of darkness. Even there was one person, uh, student that had released an album this week, Dark Clouds Over Suburbia. We seem to be embracing the darkness. Even in our lives, we want human connection, but technology addiction isolates us like never before. And consequently, loneliness is reaching an academic proportion. More than 30% of millennials have been diagnosed with anxiety disorder. Suicide rates among teens is skyrocketing. As I prayed about Advent season, it became, as we talk about Jesus being the light of the world, the darkness just seems to be consuming, doesn't it? You don't have to look very far to feel and experience darkness. Many of the people on the prodigal board Or encaptured or encapsulated with darkness. Some of their own choosing. Some because of the circumstances around them. What would God say to us in this Advent season? Jerry made reference to it. The first words recorded by God in Scripture. The first words that God spoke. You remember what they are? Let there be light. Let there be light. Later we find God is light. First John 1 John 1.5 God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Darkness symbolizes sin and death. Light corresponds to life and holiness and purity. That's why a thousand years before Christ, King David could say, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? That's why we say God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God wraps himself as a garment of light. And in Revelation, heaven needs no need for sun or moon. Why? Because the glory of God gives it light. Last week we talked about God is light from John chapter 1. I'm going to take you back to Luke chapter 1 this week. Many of you have been reading a chapter of Luke, and I think that's wonderful. And this goes back to the first chapter. It's actually speaking of John the Baptist. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter one, verse seventy-six. And you, child, will be the prophet of the mo- of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare His ways. You will go before. Say that words with me. Will go before. Will go before. You, son, prophet of the highest, you will go before the face of the Lord. Why? To prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of sins. Through the tender mercy of our God. Aren't you thankful for his tender mercies? Tender mercies. I love that language. By which, with which the day spring from on high has visited us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit. And was in the deserts till the day of his manifest, manifestation to Israel. I circled that strong in spirit this week. That, that I prayed that over my kids. Make Brennan, make Madeline, make, make them strong in spirit. That's a powerful John the Baptist was strong in spirit. In a, our age full of darkness, we need to be and we want our kids to be strong in spirit. Isaiah chapter 9, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. It was dark back in the prophet Isaiah's time. It was dark in John the Baptist's day. It's dark today. And the message today is we do not have to sit in darkness. Rather, we can walk in the light. You're going to sit in the darkness? Are you going to walk in the light? Darkness. All kinds of darkness. We can have the darkness of anger. Something might have happened to us years ago and we just still want to lash out. We can have the darkness of shame even though some wrong was perpetrated on us. We, we can have the, the, just the shame and the guilt that goes with that. We can have the darkness of disappointment. We can have the darkness of sexual immorality. We can have the darkness of dishonesty. When do most crimes happen? In the dark. At night. We can have the darkness of loneliness. We can have the darkness of regret. We can have the darkness of self-pity. I did a little study on this, and I may do a whole message on this sometime. What is self-pity? It's excessive self-absorbed unhappiness over one's own troubles. It's dejection, depression, joylessness, oppression, sadness. It's an enemy of joyous living. I thought about this sometimes and when we when we talk about the darkness and we talk about depression, if God could help us, if the Holy Good Spirit could help us find root cause analysis, we might we might identify self-pity. The person who engages in self-pity is looking to find happiness in the sympathy of others. Few. Monday mornings, several Monday mornings ago, it just it was kind of unusual for me. It was just uh, woke up in the middle of the night and just an overwhelming sense of just an oppression, just a dark, just a just a dark cloud. I don't like those. I had to quickly get into the word and, and and press in. There's times when dark clouds come over us so and we may wanna we may wanna give up, we may wanna quit. There was Pastor Corey Jones of Crossroads Tabernacle tells that he's been preaching for over 20 years, and the last couple of years he was planning to go to Fiji to do a prayer conference. And in preparation for that, he he had an anxiety come over him. He had never dealt with it before—a fear of public speaking. Well, that's not very good for a pastor. That's not very good for someone who's regularly standing in front of people. He never had it in his life, but for that assignment and for that moment, and, and he had to call out to God in ways he had not had to call out before. And God delivered him and brought him through that, but although it took some time for him to come through that dark season. It can happen to any of us. We could interview Elijah. Elijah, after he has this incredible experience on Mount Carmel, victory of, of over the prophets of Baal, You know where we find Elijah, the man of God? He's run off to a cave. He's crawled into a cave. What's happening to me, God? Jonah preaches a powerful repentance, revival in Nineveh. Great revival in Nineveh. Read Jonah chapter 4. Where do you find the great preacher? He's fussing about what God's done. He's crying out in self-pity. Why is this happening? Why are you so merciful, God? Moses, one particular time in his life, he's having a conversation. God, why have you done this to me? I can't bear all these people. You ever felt like Moses or Elijah or Jonah? Prophet Micah said, when I sit in darkness, when I, this is the prophet speaking, when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. He will bring forth, bring me forth to the light. I will see his righteousness. We said these words last week. In him was life and the life was light of men and the light shines in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. He was the true light, Jesus, which gives light to every man coming into the world. John eight twelve. Jesus said to the people, I am the light of the world. So if you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness, for living light will flood your path. We've got a cross outside. Brother Jonathan added some solar lights. So if you show up on after hours in the dark, you can actually see the cross illuminated. I got to thinking about those solar lights. If there's no sunshine, if there's no light during the day, guess what? There's no light in the darkness. you got to be plugged in to the sun, S-O-N. you got to be plugged in to God Almighty. you got to be plugged in so you can reflect Him and reflect His light. How do we overcome the darkness? If you have your Bibles, we can go to Romans chapter 13. There's seven things, and just let me take a little side trip here to talk to you about Bible study. When you're going through your Word and you're and you're sitting in your chair and you're experiencing God, sometimes when you read a passage of Scripture, you'll notice there are lists of things. Write them down. Sometimes there are specific instructions for us. And, and this morning, I'm going to give you seven things to help us overcome the darkness from this passage. I love Romans chapter 13. I quote it all the time. It it starts out about praying for those who are in authority and in the work that I do and trying to bring light to the Capitol or trying to bring light to City Hall. We use that scripture to say Mr. Mayor, Mr. Governor, Mr. Senator, Mr. Representative, you are a minister of God and and we bless you and we pray for you. And then a few verses later, it talks about love and the example of the Ten Commandments and, and instruction. He's, he's repeating the Ten Commandments, Paul, right into the church at Rome. And then he says, and do this. So Paul is going to speak to us today, and we're going to make a list of, and do this, all right? Ways to overcome the darkness. And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk Properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Point number one, know the time. You want to overcome the darkness. Number one, know the time. Be aware of the time. Be aware of Christ's second coming. Now, Paul is writing this. He's first century Christian. If he says, know the time, and he was expecting Christ coming again, don't you think you and I should be aware of the time and conscious of the time clock on God's calendar? I mean, that was some time ago, and and. I just feel because of the darkness because of the I feel the lateness of the hour, I feel the urgency of the hour. I think we can get so caught up in our own lives and our own routines that we don't really know what time it is, so to one know the time, Titus chapter two, the grace of God that appears. Bring salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that at denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. If you want a powerful Advent scripture, write down Titus 2.13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God. Advent is the coming of Christ. First Advent, we put a lot of energy into it. But the Bible has a whole lot more to say about second Advent. About the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who gave himself for us. (laughs) That he might redeem us from every lawless deed. And purify for himself a special people zealous for good works. Know what time it is. Number two, awake out of sleep. I started to do a little survey and find out who's the most snoozy person in your house. I see everybody punching, patting on each other, elbowing right now. Running the eyeballs to the... We know what it is to push the snooze button, don't we? A lot of us, you're waking up to your smartphones now, but you got that snooze button. How many times do you hit the snooze? How many times does the alarm have to go off before you wrestle yourself out of bed and get going? Somebody just gave me five. <laughs> That's a good half hour. That's a good hour. How many, how many times have we hit the snooze button spiritually? God's trying to get our attention. God's trying to wake us up. God's trying to get us out of some darkness in our life. And we just reach over and we hit the snooze button. Holy Spirit, I'd rather not listen to that right now. Boop. And we go on in the darkness. We go on in the sleep and the slumber and a little bit more. Apostle Paul was saying to us, awake out of darkness, awake out of sleep. We were talking about this in the men's Bible study a few weeks ago. And Mark Thibodeau, he talked about sometimes when you're in the darkness, the light's on in the other room. But you've got to go around the corner to see the light. You've got to make a decision to get up out of where you're sitting in the darkness and make an effort to get to the light. Mark chapter 13, but that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the Father. Take heed, watch and pray. You don't know when the time is. It's like a man going to a far country. He left his house, gave authority to his servants and each to his work. He commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you don't know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you. Sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all. Watch. (laughs) Say that word with me. Watch. The master of the house is coming. He's coming back. Will he find you awake or will he find you sleeping? 1 Corinthians 15. Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good company. That's a good verse. (laughs) Evil company corrupts. Good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Awake to righteousness. Ephesians chapter 5. You once were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Listen carefully to this. And have no fellowship with the darkness. No fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says to you, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing, making melody in your heart. Giving thanks always to God in all things. To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. A very proactive way. Wake up. Engage in the body of Christ. Why? Because the days are evil. See that you walk circumspectly. The night is far spent, he says in this passage. Day is at hand. In our passage, our text passage there in Luke, it says the day spring from on high has visited. Day spring is the dawn. It's the first hint of daylight. He in his tender mercy, the day spring has visited. Day dawn is breaking in on the darkness and you and I get to be a part of it. Number three, cast off the works of darkness. Cast off the works of darkness. Set it aside. That Greek word here is seen in Ephesians 5, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Cast off, put to death the old man. Hebrews 12, 1, he says... Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside. That's the same word there. Cast off. Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily besets us. Set it aside. Hebrews, I'm sorry, First Peter 2. Wherefore, laying aside, casting it off, all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speaking. He tells us, have no fellowship with the darkness. How much fellowship with the darkness? None. (laughs) My dear friends, I feel in our day and age, we just get too comfortable with the darkness. And we invite it to stick around. And here the Apostle Paul is telling us, my dear brothers and sisters, have no fellowship with the darkness. Rather expose it, be the light. Are you with me? Know what time it is. Awake out of you. Cast off the works of darkness. I had one pastor talk about he was counseling all the time and and he was cutting past uh counseling couples and they would come in and just be yarn fussing back and forth and then he would go home and and before he knew it he walked in the door and and he and his wife would be fussing and the holy spirit reminded him, like before you leave the office you need to you need to get those demons off of you some of them may have pounced on you and and they're traveling home with you no cast off all the works of the dark Number four, put on the armor of light. What's that remind you of? Put on the armor of light. It reminds us of Ephesians chapter 6, doesn't it? Put on the whole armor of God. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and gospel shoes that that can put you in that way of peace. Publish the good news. I kind of feel like when you put on the whole armor of God, it just does illuminate it. It's like, and I believe with the Holy Spirit, it even gives you night vision. The Holy Spirit is revealing things. they got nothing on technology. Our incredible armed forces, I'm thankful for them. And the best military equipment in the world. And and night goggles, night vision. They can see and they can go in in the darkness. I believe when we put on the whole armor of God and the Holy Spirit indwells us, we too can invade the darkness and have much better strategy and success than the enemy because of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Put on the whole armor of light. Number five, walk properly. What does that mean, Pastor? It's the same word for walk honestly. Walk properly. You ever been on a beam or walking circumspectly? That's how he's calling us to walk. If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with the other, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness now that we've got up out of bed, now that we've got out of the darkness, now that we've awakened to what time it is, He's encouraging us to put on the whole armor of light and to walk carefully, honestly, properly. Do you think this world would love to see somebody walking properly, walking in holiness, walking in integrity? Is that not a light in a dark place? God, help us. That's our calling. that's our opportunity that's genesis 1 and 2 before sin in the world god wanted fellowship with you and i we are created in his image to have fellowship with him to reflect the glory of god and to walk in the light as he is in the light he wouldn't ask us to do that friend if he wouldn't give us the holy spirit to empower us to do it number 6 put on christ <laughs> The greatest defense is a great offense, isn't it? How about them LSU Tigers? Ah, you knew I couldn't get through a message without talking about them Tigers. I mean, it's a fun time to be a Tiger. They got a great defense. The the nation wasn't said. Well, I don't know about that defense, but they showed up, and I tell you the defense job is a whole lot easier because they got the threat of Joe Burrow and Clyde Edwards. They got Jamal. They got weapons. Offensive weapons that can put points on the board. So. Where in the world are the spiritual Joe Burroughs or the people that are going to step up and say, this is my time, this is my opportunity to shine as a light in a dark place. God help us to put on Christ. Be a light in a dark place. Be filled with the Spirit. Put on Christ, and then you see what he says. This is number seven. And make no provision for the flesh. How much provision should we make for the flesh? How much provision do we normally make for the flesh? So the Holy Spirit's got a little work to do here, huh? I got to thinking about this. Make no provision for the flesh. Some of you have had some two-year-olds in your house. How's that going for you? They make provision for the flesh, don't they? They can tear it up. They can whine. They can scream. They can grab that toy from the other person. They can make a whole lot of commotion. And it's a whole lot about me, right? Got to thinking, how many spiritual two-year-olds do we have walking around in Christendom? I didn't expect you to run the aisles on that one. How old are we spiritually? Jesus, help me. I think many believers in Christ, we, we throw spiritual temper tantrums. When we don't get our way. Make no provision for the flesh. Psalm 34. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. They looked at him and were radiant. It's like the solar light outside. They spent time with Jesus. And because they spent time with Jesus, they could radiate his glory. 2 Corinthians 4.6 For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. How much are you shining? What's the illumination factor in your life, in my life? Robert Reed said, I have everything I need for joy. Pastor Max Lacado said, it's amazing. His hands are twisted and his feet are useless. He can't bathe himself. He can't feed himself. He can't brush his teeth, comb his hair, or put on his underwear. His shirts are held together by strips of Velcro. His speech drags like a worn out audio cassette. Robert has cerebral palsy. His disease keeps him from driving a car, riding a bike, going for a walk. But it didn't keep him from graduating from high school or attending Abilene Christian University. He graduated from there with a degree in Latin. Having cerebral palsy didn't keep him from teaching at St. Louis Junior College or from venturing overseas on five mission trips. Robert's disease didn't prevent him from becoming a missionary to Portugal. He moved to Lisbon alone in 1972. He rented a hotel room and began studying Portuguese. He found a restaurant owner who would feed him after the rush hour and a tutor who would instruct him in the language. Are you getting this picture? Robert Read cerebral palsy, in a foreign country, learning a foreign language. He can't do anything for himself. He stationed himself daily in a park where he distributed brochures about Christ. Within six years, he had led 70 people to the Lord, one of those who became his wife, Rosa. Max heard Robert speak. He said, I watched other men carry him into, in his wheelchair onto the platform. I watched them lay a Bible in his lap. I watched his stiff fingers force open the pages. And I watched people in the audience wipe away tears of admiration from their faces. Robert could have asked for sympathy or pity, but he did just the opposite. He held his bit hand in the air and boasted, I have everything I need for joy. His shirts are held together by Velcro, but his life is held together by joy. Robert Reed was a light in a dark place. He didn't care what the circumstances are in his life. He overcame those circumstances so he could fulfill God's call on his life and lead many women, boys and girls, to Jesus. Friends, what does God want us to do in response to this truth that He is light? What does He want us to do when I talk about overcoming the darkness? How does He want us to get out of the darkness can I ask you, if God is light and in him is no darkness at all, and you and I are made in the image of God and we are called to be Christ-like, can it be said of us, in us is no darkness at all? I believe that's what he wants to keep. He's still working on me. I believe he wants to keep working on every one of us until we are light in us. is no darkness at all. told you last week, I've never seen the darkness overcome the light, but I've seen the light not show up to the darkness. What happens if you and I don't show up? What happens if you and I don't show up to the darkness in our family? What if you and I don't show up to the darkness in our family? cubicle at work what if we don't show up to the darkness in our neighborhood what if you and I don't show up to the darkness John the Baptist was the forerunner to the light. John the Baptist, he, he who ate locusts. I mean, you want turkey and and yams, or do you want locusts and wild honey? I mean, you want flannel Christmas pajamas, or do you want camel's hair? I mean, this guy is a peculiar guy, but he fulfilled God's call on his life, and he was the forerunner. He was not that light, but he carried and made the way and the preparation for the light and god is looking for a few more peculiar people he's looking for you and for me to be the forerunner to the light what's your response jesus said you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid let your light so shine before men And then I love this verse from Acts chapter 26. It's Paul's mission statement from God. He said he called me to open their eyes in order to turn them from the light to the darkness? No to turn them from the darkness to the light. And I believe Paul's commission is on you and me. We are called to open their eyes to the darkness and help turn them from the darkness to the light and from the power of Satan to the power of God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. We were praying before the service and God reminded me of one. One that is connected to some of the kids that will be here and family members of law. It could be that even a child shall lead them and even next Sunday someone can turn from the power of Satan to the power of God. From the darkness to the light. Can you pray that way this week? What happens if you and I don't show up? The invitation this morning is to serve and follow the light of Jesus. The invitation is carry the light into the darkness. This morning, I want us to have a time of prayer. I want you to have a time and ability to respond. It could be that you say, Pastor, there's some darkness. And I just want to, you don't have to confess it to me, but if you want to come this morning and around this altar, in this sacred moment, God's been here, and you just want to say, I don't want any darkness at all in my life. That's one prayer. And then some of you, I want you to come and, and, and represent areas of this community. Maybe you want to come and represent Karen Crow. And say, let me be the light in the north. <laughs> maybe you want to come and represent Youngsville or Bruce Sartre or Doosan and Maybe you want to come and represent downtown. Maybe your family. I'm just going to invite you to stand this morning. And there's two invitations. An invitation to get rid of the darkness in our life. And an invitation to be the light into a dark place. Let's stand together this morning. And as they sing and play. If God's speaking to your heart. Let's just respond. Come in a moment and pray a prayer of commissioning. We have sent missionaries, we have commissioned them and prayed them, prayed over them, and sent the Vincents into a dark place into Istanbul. Ben has gone to Monroe, and I asked Ben this morning it was heavy on my heart, and I said any special prayer request. We're going to have a special prayer at the end of the service, and he said absolutely. His car's not been working well, and he said my transportation is limiting me. So, and he said I haven't. He just in honesty said I hadn't really been trusting God with it. So help me, pray for me that I will trust God with my situation. So we're gonna pray for Ben. We're gonna pray for the Vincents. But would you just? Maybe just declare an area that you want to be the light to. It could be Butte LaRose. It could be Karen Crow. It could be just... Maybe you want to just say your neighborhood, but would you just call those out before we pray and just verbally say? Just say, just out loud, audibly announce where you want to be the light to, and then we're going to pray a prayer of commissioning that you would be the light. Anybody, just call them out. Holiday Gardens, that's a neighborhood. Janice's Neighborhood e Church Point Hallelujah Baton Rouge Did I miss one back here? Broadmoor Praise God To the homeless in Lafayette Praise God God, Hallelujah! Brother Tory, come and just pray a prayer of commission and that we would be the light to these places, dispel the darkness. As the
1: word speaks, that we take heed that the light in us may not be dim. So, Lord Jesus, you have heard the, the commission of us going out. Lord God, we we ask that we would take heed to your word, Lord, that wherever place you send us, Lord Jesus, that there will be no darkness that will overtake the light that is within us, God. God, we ask that you would keep us, God, throughout this week, God, that we would be lamps on our jobs, that we would be lamps in our homes, God, that we will be lamps in our communities, God, that we will be lamps in our family life, God. Lord, let us not compromise, Father God.
0: In Jesus' name, Lord, we just pray that our lights would continue to stay burning. With holiness, righteousness, integrity, peace, joy, in Jesus' name, amen.